0: Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
3: Hi, this is Lou Roberts. This is Tyrese Campbell. And you're listening to the Every Step Along The Way podcast. Well, everyone, welcome back to the Every Step Along The Way podcast. Uh, today's recording won't have Dan with us, unfortunately. Um his little ones in hospital at the minute. Uh, so obviously, you know, we, we wish her very, very well. Um, and Dan, I mean, I know you're going to send some audio later, which we will uh, drop in. But uh, don't worry, the pod will not suck. Racing in from the right wing back slot and slotting one into the corner is Mr. Ben Rowley from the YYY Files. Ben, how's things, mate?
4: Oh, does that mean I'm a Hoover? If I'm You're a, a Hoover. Dad, what am I? Am I a, a Mele or Henry? No, he's Henry. Yeah, I must be a Melee. You could be, be
3: anyone you want to be. How about that? Okay, that sounds good to me. <laughs> good, good. Um, so yeah, good, good week for you, mate. You've been, been busy, uh, well, wedding shopping, I believe.
4: <laughs> yeah, considering that I um, only got engaged... Two weeks ago yeah it's just been a bit mad really but uh, uh i i you can't distract me from stoke at the end of the day there's still been games on uh the day i come back after our a, a holiday um i was down watching the brighton game so you can't take me away that quickly
3: <laughs> well, good. It's good to have you on. Uh, thanks for spending some time. Now, um, it doesn't stop there, actually. Uh, we need a man to go and uh, seal a winning podcast, if you like, and that person is none other than author Simon Lowe. Simon, how are you things?
2: Very good, thank you. How are you? <laughs>
3: yeah good good uh, been typical shopping i tell you what the price of aldi and as, as skyrocketed no, and with the art attack earlier on but yeah good thank <laughs> you mate oh god half, half a fucking shopping trolley full and it's 100 odd quid what the hell's going on um yeah either way it means i can't go any more stoke matches now because i can't afford it so <laughs> yeah. um yeah, but no, good, good, thank you, and I've been spending half the day uh, editing our uh, podcast that we did with Eric Skiels the other week, mate. Ah, so yeah, so you'll have that surely, but um, no, it's it's good, you know, it feels really weird actually, because we're recording two back-to-back pods um, in terms of wins, like, it feels really unusual to talk about back-to-back wins, I think, I've only done it one other time was October, I think, if I remember rightly. Mm -hmm. Something like that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's nice to nice to get that under the underway. And Christ, who knows, maybe we can make it a hat trick. I won't hold my breath, but (laughs) we'll we'll get into that. Um, So, Simon, kicking off with yourself, I think you went to the Blackburn game, didn't you?
2: Certainly did. Yeah, made it. Yeah. To what, um When I woke up on Friday morning, I thought, well, there's no chance I'm getting there. Um, uh, but by the time I left, just after lunchtime, um, every, all the snow had melted, which was remarkable. I know it was still bad up in the moorlands, but um, I didn't have any problem getting to uh, the Bet Three Six Five at all, which I was very grateful for.
3: Well, at least you made it I bet you, when you actually went to the game though I mean you, you probably didn't expect us to win and I imagine you probably didn't expect it to be so dominating in terms of a uh, performance I guess
2: Oh, absolutely yeah. no, we were superb for 80 minutes um, and the other 10 or so minutes I think it, it, probably everybody recognises that we only weren't superb because so many changes were made so quickly to particularly in midfields that really affected us um, and we didn't deal with Blackburn substitutes particularly well either um, but we were fantastic, particularly the last twenty minutes of the first half. We absolutely murdered them and should have scored more goals. I and mean, how will Smallbone hits the bar in the first half from what ten yards? Absolutely open yeah. goal. Um, I've no idea. Um, definitely easier to score one of those. Your granny you would have scored. Um, scored two superb goals and who saw the goal scorer coming when did our last time I've been trying to think of the last time a right back scored a brace of goals um, maybe Johnny Butler did it once I can't think of a right back scoring twice in a, uh, a game I don't think even Mikhail Hansen did it either it's definitely <laughs> trying to think. It's a long, long time since a right-back scored twice, and they were well-taken goals as well. The first one was a very difficult, not even a half volley, it was a proper volley. It was a good three, four foot off the ground. To steer that goalwards was um, excellent technique, and then his diving header was um, a beauty as well. Of course, the winning goal was Josh Laurent turning into Lionel Messi, um, turning Blackburn inside out, and uh, putting it on a plate for uh, for Tyrese to turn it home. So it, re- it really was a tremendous performance. And after the 5-1 at Sunderland, you're starting to think, could we actually be seeing a good, consistent Stoke City team? I say that tentatively because I'm not 100% convinced yet, but you know, the, the two difficult games, two comfortable wins... We've got two very difficult games coming up, as we'll talk about. Um, but all all the signs are good. We're definitely moving in the right direction at last.
3: Yeah, it it makes it makes a change. And I mean, you're right. We'll we'll get into the other game shortly. But I mean, you're right. I think Henry scoring two goals was just no one would have had him to score one, never mind no. two. <laughs> I think we've we've really seen a lack of. I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't say. He hasn't performed badly. I just don't think in the games he's played that he's really kind of stood out. And um, I mean, you know, Ben uh, Sam mentions there around you know that he took the first goal. Wow, um, not many fullbacks score diving headers for the second goal either, do they?
4: No, he, he's he's your typical modern day fullback, isn't he? Um, yeah. He. I wish we'd have had him at the start of the season because he would have provided so much more balancing the team. When you look at Josh Tyman on the other side, that's who he reminds me of pretty much. Um, you know, really good runs, um, nutmegging people. There was a couple of runs he did in the middle of the park and jinking around people that really created such a lot of space. The goals were really well taken. Um, I can't decide who's the best finisher at the club <laughs> at the moment. You've got him, you've got Tyrese who does his little uh, hidden finish. You've got Josh Laurent who powers everything in. Um, all of a sudden, Everything, apart from anything Will Smallbone hit, seems to go in. I thought for 85 minutes, we looked great. We looked like a proper team. Um, you know, we've had great players while we've been in the championship and they've, you know, underperformed. And I think it's because there's been a lack of balance in the team. Um, the players not complementing each other. Um but now if you look at the team and you could argue that there's some players in there who possibly wouldn't made the team a couple of years ago, um, playing Dujon at Sterling uh, at right back, left back rather seems a bit of an odd decision when you have Josh Tyman on the bench, but it works. And I don't want to say we have momentum, um, but we've, te- <laughs> but we've beaten two really good teams in Sunderland and Blackburn who, are, who, who are in positions where we would like to be really aren't they? Um, And it gives us confidence going into the next two games, which are equally as difficult.
3: Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I think when you break down the goals, if you look at the first goal, I think one thing that's going to miss from a lot of people, and I watched it back earlier on, um, Dwight Gale's cross. But that first goal was sublime. Like any player who plays that across like that gets rave reviews, and I think a lot of that was missed. Um, But I watched it back, and I'll be honest, I didn't even realise. I didn't think about it until I saw the actual highlights. But uh, it was a hell of a cross. I think I'm not sure if it's Gale left-footed or right-footed. I can't remember. But. He's, he's cut it across with his left, and as you said, he's, he's taken it perfectly. But I don't think at that point it was anything more than we really deserved. I mean, you're right, Simon, Smallbone should have finished that goal easily. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know. See, again, if, if he would have scored that goal and then the one in the second half, he probably would have been man of the match because we have a couple of goals and then again, good contribution. So it's fine margins, and um, I mean, Players have to do quite a lot to win man of the match at the minute, but um, I think again, you know, Henry was there for the for the second goal and another cross from the left side, which clearly was their their weak link. Um, I mean, and like I said earlier, Ben, we haven't really seen much in, in terms of an attacking sense from Hoover, but um, I think for me, he he shows like real athleticism. Uh, he keeps going up and down a lot, really, really well. My only concern with him in terms of us going forward is he's probably on his actual defensive side because I know he can probably make a good fallback, but it seems to be that Alex is going to go, I don't know, 4-3-3, 4-4-2 type variation. Um, when we think about next season, we think about Sterling and Henry. Do you think there's going to be a place for Hoover? Or I,
2: yeah. Well, I think the the interesting thing on that, that actually um, Herbert spent very little time at right-back especially in the first half on Friday night, because Ben Pearson was there most of the time filling in for him to allow Herbert to get forward. Um, And I think Pearson's arrival, and he's now fully up to game speed, you can can really tell, um, that that's allowed others... He's one of those players that allows others to play. And then he stops the opposition playing. He breaks down moves. We all know how he can tackle and annoy you. And he didn't really have to do that that much, actually, on Friday. He no. got himself booked again. Um, but uh, we haven't seen, had to see that side of him yet. He's actually been producing some very positive contributions. Just winning the ball back, playing it simple. He's always the one available when the back four have it. Um, fills in as soon as Herver gets forward he's always in the right back position reminds me so much of Glenn Whelan I know people are going to get <laughs> yeah. tired of that comparison but as Glenn Whelan is the last defensive midfielder we have it's the only thing we can cling on to and that's what, six years ago now um, you know, I think he's made a world of difference to the team he really has um, uh, well, uh, over the course of a season of course he's going to get suspended he's going to get injured can Herver do it on a uh, a regular basis, we don't know that yet. He's young. He's had his issues in the past, which is why he's moved from club to club. Um, maybe we're maybe we're his home. Um, we'll, we'll see. Um, and certainly, there's a whole load of question marks over which of the loan players get signed. Because you know, if Bournemouth get relegated, will they sell Ben, ben Pearson to us? <sighs> I'd love him. Mm. I'd love him. I, I've wanted him for years, um, and he loves Alex Neal. So there's a there's a real relationship there. We'll have to see.
3: Yeah, and I think he's uh, I think he's gone to the well, thirtieth of June, or oh, I think June or July, thirtieth of June. I think it is next year uh, that his contract expires. So we're going to have to pay money for him. But I think you're right. I think one thing you alluded to there was the actual manager contribution because. He could turn around and go, Luke, you know, I wasn't good enough for you in the Premier League. Now we've dropped down a division. Now you want me? I think I'd rather go, thanks. Only takes that type of a conversation and all of a sudden it's, well, okay. let's try and get as much money as we can. And with what will then be less than a year's contract left, he can't be costing much more than a million or two. I can't imagine.
2: Let's hope. Let's hope. We really do need, well, him. There aren't many players like him and he's, he's exactly what we need
3: yeah 100% and ben um you kind of i assume we're probably on the same lines mate you know you the, the contribution that ben pearson makes is probably well it's it's everything we've been missing hasn't it
4: yeah, but I, you could say that about a lot of players on the team. You know, like I say, Hoover's doing the job that Timon was doing on the other side. Um, you've got Will Smallbone, who's now been freed up by Ben Pearson, um, mm. who's able to be the link between the midfield and the strikers, where how many strikers have we seen over the last four years who've been completely and utterly isolated on their own? benneka bless him. Um got no service whatsoever in his year or so at stoke there's just so much balance to the team and what i worry about is that yeah we have got seven players on loan um how many we sign up permanently uh you know we could turn it around and say when we got relegated and we had players that we didn't want we found it very hard to shift them um If if Wolves think that Hoover's got a bad attitude problem, they may be willing to let him go for a small fee. Um, Ben Pearson... Similar in the fact that if he doesn't suit the team and they want to reuse any money, they free up uh, by getting rid of him on somebody else. You know they've got someone like Jefferson Lerma in their team, who's you know uh, very much not greater Ben Pearson. I think um, even though Ben Pearson really suits Alex Neal's teams, um, I reckon he will be available. Twan Zabe, I think, is at a contract. I don't know about Duzon Sterling, uh, Matthias Arkic. I can imagine be. A candidate to leave on a free transfer, just because that's what keepers tend to do these days. Um, I think we possibly made a lot of these loan signings, as Alex Neal said he wanted to, uh, with a view to signing them permanently, whether it be now or in the summer. Um, He wanted to sign players on loan, which have no right to be at Stoke City, and he's 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 done that. You look at all the loan players now, and their upgrades and what they've got. And that's why you've got players like Lewis Baker on the bench, Josh Tyman on the bench, um, players who were first names on the team sheet six months ago on the bench now.
3: And arguably, I mean, the one player who has got the um, loan to buy in the contract option is a player that we've barely even seen in Selena. I mean... Mm. I hope that's not a compulsory purchase, to be honest, because I don't know where the heck he is. He all of a sudden he had tonsillitis. Tonsillitis disappeared and, well, where where is he? <laughs> he's well, he's nowhere.
4: Uh, who would you drop him for at the moment? That's the thing. Well, yeah, if, you wouldn't. And, and if you've got seven, uh, Seven players on loan, one injured, albeit, but five players in a matchday squad. You know they're all playing. So what do you do? You wonder whether towards the end of the season, or we will inevitably have a drop in form because we're Stoke. Um, <laughs> I imagine he will get a chance in the team. Um, he seemed pretty decent when he came on a couple of times. So it, you know, Neil's pragmatic. He will he will pick a player for the occasion. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see him five six times before the end of the season as well.
3: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think if we go back to the third goal, um, again, another player who's come in for a love of abuse this season. But I think people are finally waking up now. As I, I say people, a small minority are finally waking up. Um, you know, I'm going to mention Mr. Terry Campbell. Uh, I saw some stats and I can't remember who posted it out, actually. But I think he has a goal contribution every, I think it's like 2.07 games or something like that. So name me a, a, no, another set of top quality strikers who have that type of stat ratio, you know, at the end of the day I mean, for me, actually, not, it's not even my opinion but do you think we've actually got to the point where Alex Neal's finally found, you know the, probably the formation and of course maybe Tyrese's best position do you think it's just taken that time to try and figure out the best way to play with Terry's?
4: I still don't think we've seen the best of him, I still think more no. to come um, he's certainly got his confidence back um, he certainly got his fitness back, um, and that they were two things that were holding him back, um, and I'm sure they were intertwined. You know, if you've had a serious knee injury at a young age, you don't want to be running yourself into the ground worrying about it happening again. We've seen him get knee injuries subsequently to him coming back from his major one. Um, But I think he can go on to be even better. You know, playing consistently for the first time since he's been at Stoke, since being in senior football, really. I don't know how regular he was when he was on loan at Shrewsbury either. Um, You know, it's great to see him in the team, in a position where he seems to thrive, with players who are helping him out. Um, I can't wait to see what he's going to be like next season. I know that sounds daft, but already looking ahead to next season. But with a good preseason behind him uh players in and around him to help him get the best out of his game because I uh, for all Michael O'Neill did for bringing him into the team and basically the reason why he's still here is Michael O'Neill I don't think he ever got the best out of Tyrese Campbell apart from just before when he got injured when he brought him back you know he worked him too hard um you know putting him in the center with wing backs didn't really suit him um didn't make the team a lot of the time actually did he um I think Alex Neal will find room for him. He will build around Tyrese Campbell. Um, and it's great that he's got such a great relationship with Josh Laurent as well, on and off the pitch, who has turned into Rude Hollett in the last <laughs> month or so. He, he's just... Name something he's bad at, because I can't.
3: Um,
4: you can certainly score goals with both feet from distance. My oh. worst. Well. I know, and what, what what a powerful, confident shot on him as well. The goal at Sunderland, I'm just thinking now, and yeah. it, it it sort of hit the back of the net, rolled the back of the net, and he got trapped underneath the bar where uh, that was holding the oh, net yeah. in place. It was just yeah. aesthetically beautiful. He he is my favourite player at the moment. Um, yeah, he's 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 wonderful, wonderful player.
3: And, I mean maybe he has another level <laughs> if he has I can't wait to see it hmm. um, but yeah, I think it's something you both kind of alluded to around you know typical stoke um in typical Stoke fashion, we brought on Sam Clucas and uh, Jordan Thompson um I don't know if by YouTube, but I was like, oh here we go. <laughs> I mean, I understand why he was doing it. he was saying, you know about keeping people fit um I probably. I don't know. Part of me almost kind of disagrees with that to a certain level because it was the 85th minute or whatever it was. I just think that you're not really going to rest a player very much for the sake of, you know, five to seven minutes. But either way, you know, he made the changes. Um, both of them come on who, I know we conceded two goals. It wasn't their fault, but um, typical Stoke fashion, Fox and Bonham have a lot to answer for, I think, for those two goals. Um, but I think those subs, if you like, kind of, kind of unbalanced us a little bit uh that yeah, it, 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 it just put us off kilter and genuinely i'm sure both of you probably thought the same we're going to throw this away we're going to do a Cardiff because that was the first thing that came to my mind
2: well absolutely three, three nil up <laughs> it's still quite raw that game it's not that long ago um <laughs> And when the first one went in, there was you thought, oh, crikey, there's going to be at least five minutes of injury time here. There's plenty of time to go. And then the second one goes in. Oh, my Lord, surely not. Uh, it can't happen again. Um, but with us, it could. It could. It could, it could happen again. Um, we are still relatively fragile at the back. Um, I actually thought that um, Fox particularly uh, alongside Trim Derby had a really good game up until yeah. that point um, but he then got exposed by what was happening in front of him and Blackburn got down the sides um, and that hadn't happened uh, in the previous 80-85 minutes um, it, it really was very noticeable and I think the thing, the thing that it just reinforces is how important the players are that came off that were rested so I understand why he's resting them, but as you say, we need them on the pitch because um, those that we have on the fringes of the team just aren't doing the same kind of job at all. I'm afraid. Uh, no, then, th- yeah, don't start me on Clucas.
3: We <laughs> 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 I take it you, you're ready to get rid of Clucas and Thompson. The fact that Rory asked us about Clucas and Thompson, here. but no.
2: <laughs> whats he still here. I don't know. Someone tell me.
3: I don't know. See, Thompson has had moments where he's, you know, spells in the season where he thought, oh, he could be a, re- he could be a really good holding midfielder. And then he gets injured again and he's just not been able to re any form, any real form, to be honest. Every time he comes on, he seems to be totally off the pace. And I guess he's going to be, if he's been injured, he's going to take some time. But I, I think, you know, the contracts are up um, in the summer, like about 99% of the squad's. Contracts are. Yeah. Um, time to get rid now. Uh, Kluker's clearly is not the type of player we need anymore. Thompson certainly isn't. Uh, Fox, I agree. He would. He was he was weak at the back. He's not a centre-back. He's a left-back, and um, he's obviously doing a job. So there's an element of he's probably not experienced enough to be in that proper central defensive position. But Jack Barnum, for me, has got to take so much stick for them goals, the second one especially. Yeah. It was almost in slow motion. He should, he should not be letting that in, should he, Ben?
4: No, I said that at the time. Um, I was sat with my mate who... Um it's a, is a Sunday league goalkeeper. And, and he said, well, you know, he, he might be just lacking confidence having just let one in. Um, but you don't want that from your goalkeeper, do you? You know, you don't want your goalkeeper to be mentally fragile. Um, you know because he's looked great for the last couple of games, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. The circuit, you know, Brighton. I thought he made some really important saves. Um, even in the Blackburn game, I think he made one or two really good saves. Sunderland in the second half, I don't remember him doing an awful lot, but still confident. Um, but he he epitomises Stokes' mentality over the last couple of years. You know, goal goes in and everything goes to crap. Um, same players like Morgan Fox, unfortunately, look really confident uh, with a clean sheet under his belt, but then loses that protection in front of him. And let's face it, he's not a centre back um, for me. He's not physical enough, he's not tall enough, he's not quick enough to be a centre back. Um, I, he, he's, he's limited to be a full back for me, but he's, he's doing a good job standing in when we need him. Um, I, mean, I think he's the, the most capped and most minuted player under Alex Neil, isn't he? So clearly he trusts him, or you know, has had to trust him anyway. Um,
3: yeah, I, and I'd argue he's probably had a, a as good a season as he's actually had since he signed oh, for us. That's I think he's Adam been
4: good, skinness, isn't he? I think you know he, he certainly wants a new contract. Um, and and why wouldn't he? You know, Stoker look to be, <laughs> although we we we've only just pulled off at the moment. We are going somewhere under Neil. Um. But I think we've got to be careful about how many we get rid of. We don't want a wholesale turnover. We've seen what Cardiff have done this summer. They signed, well, I think they've got 18 new players or something ridiculous. They've got loads and loads. (laughs) Um, And it turns out that they didn't have the budget to bring in 18 high-quality players. They brought in probably two or three, in like Callum Robinson, uh, Romaine Sawyers, for example, and the rest of them were... League One quality or bottom of the championship quality and I think we've got to be careful because you know, we will have a bit more to spend in the summer but if we want to buy people like Will Smallbone um, we're going to have to sacrifice and we're going to need some squad players um, and for me Morgan Fox will be a, a good squad option for next season albeit not first choice but um, I'd argue the same with Jordan Thompson. Although I'm 50-50 on him, I think he's a great all-rounder as a midfielder. I think he's got a bit of everything, um, but possibly quite not enough to, um, you know, to, to for, for, for nobody else in the Stoke team to fill in for him. I think you know that's that's why we lose the balance by having someone like him in the midfield. Um, Klukas, I think it's just because we extended his contract, didn't he? To uh, yeah better suit his wages, I think, uh, so we didn't have to get rid of absolutely everybody. Michael O'Neill's intellect like him too. Um, look, uh, there are going to be new faces in the summer, but I, I think we've got to be somewhat careful of completely gutting the squad because we do have a good first eleven here. Um, and if we can keep them and a couple of squad players around, then we might only need to make four or five new ones and on on top of any loan signings we choose to keep as well. Um, yeah. And, and then we really will go somewhere, I think.
3: Yeah, there's a few similar comments. I mean, again, Ben Burgess said, you know, a special shout out to the centre-backs. Fox and Axel did well um, considering they haven't really played together and thinks that he should get an extra contract. I mean, like I say contract expires in three months for Fox so I'm with, I'm with you and uh, I, I think an extra year, he's not going to be on much money because he, he, even if he was on a higher wage Stoke can turn around and go, Luke, we want to keep you but we're going to drop your wage to Christ, I don't know, 10 grand a week from 15 for example um, because I don't think he's going to get another championship team, he certainly won't get a championship team of our stature I don't think no one's going to you know, no one's going to come down from the Premier League and want him so I think he'd he, doesn't need to really rock the boat, take another 12 months, see where he is. And, you know, I think he's getting on a bit now. So I think definitely do that. Um, Kev said, you know, five of the 11 that were out there were loans. Feels we need to get them all signed up, kind of what you were saying. Uh, I agree with you, uh, Kev, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think there'll be questions around the fees because I think the problem with these loans is, We've got a mixture of players who are a contract, and then players who are obviously going to command fees. Now, I think I can't remember the the, the financials off the top of my head. I think we're going to be able to spend maybe about 10 million, um, if we wanted to, possibly a little bit more. Uh, if you think about Ben Pearson being what three million, roughly, let's say, Hoover might be the same again. Uh, Sarkic maybe another couple of million. Don't forget, 10 million is probably including wages as well. All of a sudden, you're feeling a bit light. You know, we need at least another striker. Dwight Gale, for as as good as he has been historically, is not going to get his 15, 20 goals a year. So we need to find another striker, and they don't come cheap. So... We're going to have to maximise the loan market, I think, again next season. I know Alex Neal doesn't want to, but I think we're going to have no choice but to. Um, so, yeah, I think we're going to have to be careful. You're right, Ben. We can't got this squad. We absolutely need a, uh, a basis of... I don't know. Just we we just we just need a handful of players who who can do it. And I think one thing, Simon, that uh, was was noticed. I noticed this, but Tom said the same. Uh, the actual team spirit seems to be back again uh, for me, especially in the last kind of few weeks. I mean, did you notice around you know, like the the second goal? All the players running to Lorraine, high fives, hugging, hugging at halftime. Um, you know, the the, the feel good factor seems to be back, which I guess it's always. it's easier to have a good uh, kind of team spirit when you're winning and scoring eight goals in two games, I suppose.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That does make life a lot easier, doesn't it? Um, Yeah, I did notice that, absolutely. And it's obviously something that Alex Neal has been working on. Um, I think the Lewis Baker situation really interests me in that context because at the start of the season, you would say he was the first name on the team sheet. Now he's not even in the team. And he's club captain. Um, he took the armband when he came on. So the players obviously all respect him, and he therefore must be still contributing positively despite not being in the team. So that I have full respect to him for that because he's not causing ructions, he's not saying, why the, why the hell are I not playing? He, he sees what's happening, wants to be part of it, he's just got to be good enough to get into that team, and that's how it should be. That That's how squad competition's got to work we've really struggled with that for the last what five six seven seasons arguably um, that, that we we just haven't had that kind of positive uh, uh, contribution from players that weren't being selected that were, were on the bench maybe not even making the the match day squad um, you know you can name any berahino Rodriguez <laughs> you can name them Um we're starting to see something a bit different and that definitely has been led by the manager, I believe. Um, But fair play to the players as well for buying into it, because I think you have to uh, as a player, otherwise you're just going to end up being the same old, same old as we've seen for the last few years. And um, you know, you win some, you lose some and who really cares. And that, that's not what a successful club is. That's not what we want to be as Stoke city. Um, And it's certainly not what I think Alex Neil um, is going to accept either um so that that's definitely a plus point um and, and I think you can really see uh, when when the, that goal deflected in off Dwight Neal's back against Reading a few weeks ago you could see how happy they all were for him even though he hadn't really scored a goal you know <laughs> it was his goal on paper yeah um, but he just got in the way of a shot and got lucky Um, They were all so happy for him. Um, And obviously when he scored at Sunderland as well. Um, So, you know, there's a lot going on there. And I think, um, yes, Gale hasn't scored many goals this season, but I think he does contribute an awful lot both on and off the pitch as well. I don't think that should be underestimated.
3: So if we, let's say we have the team roughly that we have now for next season with a few additions, does Lewis Baker get the, the captain's armband again for you? Or would you maybe give it to somebody like Ben Pearson? Or, I mean, Wilmot. Let's, let's not forget about Wilmot. He's been pretty good all season. Um, who gets that armband for you?
2: Well, at the moment, it's Josh LeRon, isn't it? Who's um, mm. leading the team out while Baker's on the bench. So quite possibly him, especially the way he's playing. Um, Wilmot's interesting because he's obviously relatively young. He probably has been the most consistent player this season. Overall, because there's been some incredibly inconsistent players, there's been some players who have been fantastic for short bursts um, and then not, um, partly through injury at times. Um, I think uh, Ben Pearson possibly. I'm trying to think back to whether Pearson was actually a captain at Preston. I don't think he was captain at Preston under Neil, so I'm not sure about that. I mean, at the moment, I go with Arm simply because he. He is the captain and seems to be working. Um, and his relationship with um, Lewis Baker must be pretty strong as well, given that they, they're they the ones that get subbed for each other and Baker takes the armband when he comes on.
3: Who would you have, Ben?
4: Uh, it's hard because <laughs> I really like Lewis Baker, you know. Um, yeah. I think he's been very unfortunate in the last couple of months to have been in an imbalanced midfield. Genuinely, um, I reckon if John, if if Josh Laurent gets injured or has a dip in form, I reckon Lewis Baker could come in there. Now he's been rested too. You know, you forget he's been at Chelsea and on all these loans. This is probably the most consistently he's ever played. He was probably a bit tired, um, probably a bit fed up as well. To be honest with how we were playing, you know, playing quite well and yet losing. Um, you know, and don't forget his contributions earlier this season five goals five assists I think he's still you know top or near the top of all those charts um I still really like him and I'm not saying that he is the first name on the team sheet anymore um, but I still think he's a valuable member of, of this squad you gotta think we've had a purple patch of two games at the moment um <laughs> and I think that <laughs> he he certainly can come back into the Team and contributes particularly in somewhere like Laurent's role, or if you've got someone like now Smallbones in a bit of form, you can have Baker and Laurent together, and one of them sits and one of them pushes on and alternates. Similarly, you've got someone like you know if you've got Pearson at the back, Baker and Laurent in front of them, one of them pushes and they rotate. And you know Baker's certainly not down and out for me, um, and and therefore I would I would keep him as as club captain. Um, he he's just got the he's just got the materials for it for me. He he. he whenever he's been on the pitch he's seemed like a leader the only time I've ever been concerned about him is that sometimes when we've lost and he's not been in the team he has gone straight down the tunnel Um, but whether that's frustration at himself or the situation I don't know
3: I suppose Um, you can say about the captain thing though I mean if you've got Good personalities on that pitch. You don't need a captain. He's not going to make a make or break the performance. You just no, need exactly a bunch not. of t- a bunch of good players who are going to fight for each other. And the captain's just there to hand out fines when people are late for training <laughs> and all that. <laughs>
4: And actually, you wonder, and and I'm not saying that he's coming and had an instant impact on how everything's been run, but you know you're talking about culture there, um, and and how valuable Dwight Gale and uh, and other senior players might have been to this team. Um, you know, signing players like Axel Svensen, who's been at United, um, and and has brought a lot of character to the dressing room, probably. Um, I wonder how much Ricky Martin deserves a little bit of credit, you know. Um, I don't know how much influence he's had since he's been here, but, you know, from from the people I've spoken to at the club, he seems to be very much... his his priority is a culture similar to what Michael O'Neill's was, um, but but you know the players now need to feel like they are players of Stoke City. You know they're not just there temporarily. You know they want them to embody the club. They want them to be involved in a community. They want players to, you know, if if they want them to get involved on a match day and and, and meet fans, they need to do that. Um, yeah, it, it's it, it's it'll help the players feel more at home. And I don't think the players have felt at home, partially because of COVID. Since we've come down, really, they very much felt like, you know, people who take their money and then, and then go off to a new team three years later. Um, you know, I, I, I hope that Martin is building that foundation for players to come and settle. Lewis Baker had that sort of vibe when he first joined and that's why he signed a new deal in the summer. Um, I hope other players... With a better culture in the summer, hope they follow suit too.
3: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, You, you I mean, I, I, we'll kind of move on I think we've done this done this game but I think you you saw elements of that in terms of the support we had against Blackburn You know, the, there's only one Alex Neal being shouted nicely and loud uh, some of the old songs being brought back although please stop singing the bloody Kenwyn Jones song like uh, come on we've got players on the pitch who need their own song let's think of something else I, I know it's a bit of fun but Kenwyn Jones left many many years ago and it's irrelevant to our songs so please move on but still the fans were were good uh, for everyone who turned up. There was about 17,000. So the fans are starting to come back and I think that comes from Alex Neal's possession play, the, the the way in which he's setting up. We're constantly chasing the game. It's giving fans something to believe in and an identity that we really just did not have. So as you said, it's on a couple of games, but at least we're starting to see an identity of sorts kind of come through. Um, but let's just kind of finish off with the, uh, the man of the match poll. So before actually, I give you the, the the figures. Which was your man of the match, both of you?
4: I'm sure it's probably gone to Hoover, but I'd have for me, to go Hoover as well. I, I I imagine Josh Laurent. For me, it was was my man of the match. He's just he just every game. He's just shining in this team at the moment. But you mm-hmm. how can you turn down a right back who scored two goals?
3: Interesting. OK, Simon.
2: <laughs> yeah, a you, you, right back scoring two goals happens once in a blue moon. It's got to be uh, Henry.
3: You'd be, you'd be interested to know that Henry is not number one. So uh, in third place was Josh Loren with, 11, with 11%. Uh, second place was Henry with 26%. Breaking home first place was Ben Pearson with 37%.
4: Ah, well, he was brilliant. And to yeah. be fair, my rule on defensive midfielders is if you don't notice them, they've had a 10 out of 10.
3: Yeah, I did notice a lot of that he was doing, but you're right. I think I think they've all deserved a, a slice of the man of the match, if you like. We'll, we'll get the trophy, we'll cut it up into three, and we'll give it to all of them. How about that? Um, but yeah, thanks to the 600 plus of you that, uh, that voted for that one. So um, yeah, we've done Blackburn. Good win. Uh, let's hope to take it on to uh, this week's coming game, which of course is Middlesbrough. So, um Dan will very much uh, send over some stats for us and we'll play that in a second. But I've done my sleuthing um anyway, just to be on the safe side. So to save me wasting my sleuthing uh, let's see if I can do a little bit of justice. So Bora have won four out of the last five games, scoring fourteen and conceding just three. So they know obviously know where the uh, the net is. Um Akpom actually I've seen him his name pop up a lot, but I didn't actually realize he's played thirty-one and scored twenty-three, which is a lot. Um, uh, Ramsey has started to pop up with a few goals as well. I saw the name Aaron Ramsey and I thought, it's not him, is it? No, it isn't him. <laughs> so <laughs> this is the guy on loan. Ramsey must be about fifty-five now. He's been around that long. Um but yeah, they typically set up in a four-two-three-one formation. Uh very quickly going to kind of like four three three when attacking. Uh they're fourth in the home form table. They've played 17, won ten, drawn five, and lost two. They've won all of the last five home games. And as for Stoke, we're ninth in the away form table, played eighteen we've won seven drawn three and lost eight so not amazing away from home not bad but not amazing Uh, but we have scored eight goals in the last two away games as well so um, we'll just play Dan's stats let's see how many of them he might have himself
1: So yes, Middlesbrough, 103 times we've played them, 36 wins, 24 draws, 43 defeats. At Middlesbrough, 51 times we've been up there with just 8 victories, 11 draws and a whopping 32 defeats. Our first win was at our 24th visit up to uh, to Middlesbrough and that was a 2-1 win in 1954. Uh, And we have lost our last five visits to Middlesbrough, which isn't good. We haven't won there since 1997. Uh, Six games, which is just one draw and five defeats. We haven't scored more than one in our last eight visits uh, since 1993. Uh, last five matches form table, Stoke are seventh with nine points, scoring 11, conceded six. Middlesbrough are top with, uh, of the form table with 14 goals scored, just five conceded. And in fact, over the last five games, these are the only two sides in the division who've managed to get double figures uh, with their goals scored. So yes, hopefully, should make for an entertaining encounter. Uh, Middlesbrough's home form, though, is massive. They've, they've won seven out of the last eight. 11 out of the last 13 and 14 of the last 17 home games, but... One shine light for Stokers, only one clean sheet in their last six matches. Last time they dropped points at home was a 1-1 draw with Bristol City on the 8th of November. So although their their general form is massive, their home form is probably even better. They haven't lost anything, like I say, since the beginning of November. And that is their only home game under Michael Carrick that they haven't won. Uh, but since then they have sort of you know bounced back, if you like, and won seven straight games in the league.
3: Cheers for that, Dan. Appreciate it. So, yeah, there's a couple of similar ones, but uh, that's fine. Um, And uh, to have a bit of a break from us talking, let's get uh, Mr. Graham McGarry's prediction. Now, Graham is a very, very positive man normally. Uh, I I, I can't imagine he's going to go for a Stoke win, but uh, let's have have a listen to see what he's gone for.
5: Hello there, you Potter's Predictors. Here we go again, another midweek game and a long trip up to the northeast to take on promotion chasing Middlesbrough. Well, it's going to be a tall order to carry on great results of late for Alex Neil's side. But remember, the last time we was up at the northeast wasn't too long ago, was it? And his side hit five goals past Sunderland. Can they upset Middlesbrough? are bang in form come from a goal behind at the weekend against Swansea to win that game 3-1. And their result went right for them as well as Sheffield United losing at home to Luton so they close the gap on those automatic promotion places for Stoke of course well finally goals are coming and if they can get some more on the road they could be coming back on Tuesday night with some points on the board as well I'm going to go for a difficult night but one that Stoke will frustrate Middlesbrough Stoke City 1 Middlesbrough 1 so a draw up there at the Riverside. Middlesbrough 1, Stoke 1, the latest prediction.
3: And, of course, Mr Graham McGarry, you never predict a Stoke loss. Uh, He's gone for a a 1-1 draw. What do you both think about that? Do you think he's been a bit too optimistic, Mr Graham?
0: Uh, I mean...
4: I said that we'd have probably lost Sunderland and Blackburn so who knows now. It, it we're Stoke, aren't we? We 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 pull off the results that we shouldn't pull off and then the games we should win, you know, Blackpool just summed it up. I said as soon as Mick McCarthy come in, we were going to get Mick McCarthy at Blackpool and look what happened. So we we're, we're both predictable and unpredictable in, in the same verse. I can't see us getting anything at Middlesbrough
2: but it wouldn't surprise
4: me if we did.
2: I think you're dead right.
3: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I'll give you my, my prediction, uh, first and I, I haven't really given it much, much thought. I do think, well, Oh, I don't know. I keep changing my mind in my own head. Um, to be strategic here as well because so i'm going to try to think what dan would go for and what um obviously graham's gone for because i'm only one point behind on the prediction table. <laughs> this so... is
4: not what it's about michael You're it is
3: <laughs>
4: deciding whether we're actually going to win or lose
3: well if you promise to come to vale park with me if i lose then i'll 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 back that, us to win that,
4: that's that's not in the contract i'm afraid
3: okay well i'm going to go for a middlesbrough uh 3-1 win then and... um yeah yeah not great um Great, so let's get your concrete predictions then. So uh, if you're feeling I have to be positive, I'm assuming you're going for a positive score, Ben? Nah, two-0
4: Borough. <laughs> Great.
3: <laughs> yeah, OK, fine. Simon, what are you going for?
2: Well, obviously, we're on this long, unbeaten run of two now. Um, so it's got, to <laughs> it's got to end sometime. So I'm going Borough two, Stoke one.
3: Oh, okay, uh, hat trick of defeats. I'm not sure what Dan's gone for, but like I said, I think he's predicted us to win more games than Burnley have won this year. So, <laughs> without listening to his audio, I'm kind of anticipating he's probably going to go for a win. Uh, you know so why yeah. he's done that, isn't he?
4: Because we we have to win at some point. We don't go on like games where we've gone like ten without a win. Like we we have to win at some point. So every time we lose, he has to predict a win just to hedge his bets that we're going to be predictably in. Consistent.
3: Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I like that thinking. Yeah, good. So either way then, one of us are gonna be picking up some points, um, if that's what he's done. So uh yeah, interesting. Um now team wise guys, tricky one here. Um can you change the team? I mean injury wise, I don't think there was any injuries, was there, from the other night? I don't think so. No, I
2: don't think so, no. it's, it's a question of whether there's anybody coming back. Um, particularly in central defence, potentially.
3: Yeah, so Wilmot might. I know. Mm. Wilmot actually could be back. Jag, Jagi Elka, I think, could very well be back as well. So uh, you, I guess the question is then, then. So if, say, Jags or Wilmot's back, does Fox drop out the team entirely? Because you're not going to replace him. Well, you're not going to, you know, maybe put him over Sterling. And you obviously Hoover, you can't drop. So does Fox drop out the team for you guys?
4: Yeah. Probably, Although he may do a job at left-back if we're going a bit more defensive for this one. But I don't know. We may go, you know, we've got to fight fire with fire and if they're going to score goals and so have we. So I think, you know, it, it, it's going to be a game for proper defenders and Morgan Fox might do a job on the left, but otherwise I'd probably prefer Wilmot and a b if if it's all possible.
2: Yeah, I would too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I wouldn't rush Jags back for this one, um, and, unless we're struggling. Um, I think if Wilmots fits, then he has to come back into the team. Um, and I think, other than that, you leave it as it is because it is, as as Ben said, just the most balanced, uh, especially across the midfield that we have.
3: Yeah. I w- we need a mobile defence, don't we? Um, We need a switched-on mobile defence because the, the, the pace that they will have, they move players around the pitch constantly. They're always on the go. So we, we need people to pay attention. Um, I, I think, unfortunately, that's where Morgan Fox falls down, he loses concentration and we, we know, we saw it against Blackburn, but you can't lose concentration against top teams because they will punish you for it, so yeah, I'm with you boys, I think, let's let's get Wilmot back in there, hopefully, and the rest of the team, well, it's weird you, you, you can't change a single one going forward from midfield uh, or, or even the strike force, Dwight Gale, even though he's not scoring goals, is contributing and holding that ball up well. So he's he's got to play. I think, you know, team predictions actually become quite straightforward. So... I wonder make... whether,
4: actually, for me, this might be a game where he switches to a back three. I know that sounds daft, but he will probably want a little bit more steel at the back for this one um, and maybe go... He, he might rest Gale after he's played a fair few games and go with brown and campbell up front for the pace up front on the break um keep the midfield relatively the same a, a, an opportunity maybe for time and uh, mm-hmm. a, a left back or maybe sterling you know with with hoover being able to push on a little bit further right back with three center backs behind him because let's face it we probably need to protect jack barnum a little bit if we get one goal going we'll will capitulate so uh, this might be uh, one for the recently blesser spotted back three for me
3: Okay, yeah, yeah, I get, I get that. We can't, we can't do an all-out attack, can we? I mean, I suppose someone did say it's the best form of defence is attack, I suppose, but mm. um, you've got to draw a line somewhere. So, yeah, Tymon, if he's fit enough, um, we all know that there's no better left wing back in this team. Uh, when he's on form and he's, he's he's all all guns blazing, there's probably very few better full-backs in the whole division uh, than Josh Tymon for me. So, yeah, I see, I, th- I see uh, your your thought process.
1: Uh, my team now I'm gonna go for a bit of a change on this one. Um, I'm gonna go for Jack Bonham in goal, obviously. and um, I'm gonna actually go back to the back five, well the back three with the wing backs. I just feel with Middlesbrough got a lot of attacking talent and they're flying at home and I think best thing we can try and do, try and contain them a bit, try and frustrate them, because they won't, you know, they're used to just brushing sides apart at the minute. Um, they do have a mistake in them so if we can keep it tight at the back I do feel we, we probably will get one or two chances at the other end it's down to us then to take them so bottom in goal I'm going to have Hoover and Tyman as me as my wing backs and I'm going to back three actually at the minute of Stealing on the right side of that because I think he's got plenty of pace he can cover for Hoover um, and I think he has played in that position before Twanzimi in the middle and Fox as your left footed centre half as well um, if Ben Wilmot's fit, then he probably does come into that team, probably for Fox, I'd say. Your um, midfield three stays the same. Pearson at the base with so Smallburn and around, giving a bit of more freedom going forward. And we front two. We're going to start. We're going to go with an old Tony Pulis tactic here. I'm going to go with Jacob Brown and Dwight Gale. And they've just got to run and run and run for an hour and really just terrorise that home defence. Hopefully, they can get an opportunity and get themselves... Um, you know, make force a few mistakes and get themselves an opportunity to open the scoring and get us us off the mark. Um, But what you want ideally is the Ricardo Fuller in this predicament, uh, in this scenario, sorry, uh, that Pew issues to bring on after an hour uh, would be Tyrese Campbell. So, Brown and Gale tie the defenders out, run them in the ground, you know, really harass them, and then just after hour, and oh, thank God he's going off, on comes Tyrese Campbell and the defender thinks, oh, man. <laughs> um, That would be my, that, that's my way of going. I do think it's going to be a really tough match. Uh, my prediction, <laughs> I want to win the prediction table, so I'm going to have to go with my head here rather than my heart and say I think... It might just be a bridge too far for us at this time. There'll be no disgrace in it, but I think we may just come unstuck and lose 2-1. Um, as for the prediction table itself, uh, obviously myself, Mike and Graham all predicted wins. Strangely enough, nobody predicted um, nobody predicted 3-2. So we all got two points there. Obviously the opposition fan didn't, so they stuck on 23. Uh, me and Graham still out front on 42. And snapping at our heels on 41 points is Mike. referee is Craig Pawson so yeah we've got a bit of a celeb ref coming down for this game must be a big match Uh, he's ref 23 matches um, in this season so he's had 16 Premier League games three in the Europa League one in the Nations League the the community shield and two championship matches this season so he's uh, yeah he's been a busy boy (laughs) Uh, a lot of high-profile matches uh, in them 23 games 94 yellows 1 red and he's awarded 7 penalties uh, don't know how much VAR may have had to do with that though uh, there's been 9 home wins 7 draws and 7 uh, away wins in his 23 matches um, as you probably would expect with his limited championship games he hasn't refed either Stoke or Middlesbrough this season and while his ref Middlesbrough, were on five occasions, giving them 11 yellows and one red against them, with no penalties in their matches, and middles were only winning once. Um, so one win, one draw and three defeats he has reffed Stoke a massive 17 times in his career um, producing in just 26 yellows actually so not too many in 17 matches um, one red four us, one red to the opposition, he's given one penalty to Stoke but has managed to give three penalties against us uh, we've got six wins, six defeats and five draws from them, 17 matches and this will be the first time he has ever reft at the Riverside Stadium
3: Cheers, Dan. Always appreciate that. Um, hopefully see you back, of course, uh, next week. Now, to be honest, as long as it's not Gavin Ward, who I noticed actually was a fourth official against it was Blackburn. was a fourth official, yeah. Yeah, so I, was, as as, I didn't realise, and then the Sky Sports mentioned it. I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but as long as it's not Gavin Ward, then uh, I'm happy. So um, just before we kind of uh, tie up then, boys, so um, we mentioned about Alex Neal, about the form and, and bits like that. Um, We've as a team, we've really started to try, kind of turn the corner. Uh, I think I know where I feel this has gone right in terms of, you know, the way that we've been approaching games. But what what's changed um, in recent times for you and uh, what's going to take us to the end of the season?
4: I think for me, it's been about I mentioned the word a couple of times already. It's been balance, hasn't it? Um, we've had better Stoke teams than this. Um but with players who don't complement each other. Um, You know, we talked about the Dwight Gale cross earlier, um, and that would have been a completely horrendous cross had Keanu Hoover had not run 40 yards to put it in the back of the net. Uh, So, look, this this team suits Alex Neal, and I must admit, at the start of the season, I could not see what he was trying to do. Um, You know, he was trying to force an issue that didn't exist, and I thought we may well have got relegated under him. Just similar to Nathan Jones trying to push an agenda that didn't exist. Um, The difference, I think, has been um, we've had a fantastic transfer window um, and signed players that genuinely make a difference to this team. Um, You think about previous January windows where we've signed. Jack Clark, Ravi Batondo, uh, Jaden Philogene Badace, Josh uh Liam Moore, players like that, where, let's face it, realistically, we could have finished the season without them. Um, this time, I heard it before on this podcast, um, five lone players in the team. It's a worry for next season, but it just shows how good our business has been, um, particularly when pretty much apart from Will Smallbone, who's who's had a complete upturn in form. Uh, they are all new signings. Um, so fair play to the transfer team, fair play to Alex Neal. I can see what he's trying to do now. I don't necessarily think we'll get promoted next season, but I can see Ooh. his project. I can definitely see his project.
3: Oh ouch! Actually, I I don't know. I can't. I'm not ready to commit to promotion next season. I don't want to rule it out. Um, I think the uh, if we carry on as we're going in terms of you know that the the kind of high pressure, uh, that's what I think for me that's what's changing everything um, is the constant high pressure. But I think next year we we've got to be looking at the playoffs as a minimum. Um, I know we've got to get this season done first, but. Yeah. I'm not ready to rule it out yet, Ben. And I'm sure You've that's got not a what win.
4: You're <laughs> uh, two games on the bounce more than twice in a season, to be fair, Mike, so
3: steady. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, getting too ahead of myself. Uh, Simon, anything else to add? I think Ben covered off quite nicely there, to be yeah, honest. Yeah,
2: th- in terms of what's changed recently, I think settling on the the team and, and having um, a pattern of play and consistency of selection, partly because they're not getting injured, but partly because he's actually made some... Specific decisions, Lewis Baker being one, as we've said, um, has been uh, a a real important thing. And I think he's made some brave decisions at times. Um, And I think um, the other thing that's changed is we've actually taken our chances. Uh, You know, we haven't Mm -hmm. mentioned the XG word, but I'm... a bit hot and cold on it. But certainly I know that the, the XG over the season, we should be far, far higher in the table. And those of us that just watch the game and don't worry about XG know that we miss a lot of chances. We've taken them recently, apart from Will's ball, though, uh, on Friday <laughs> night. Um, you know, we could have been 5-0 up, and then the last 10 minutes doesn't happen. But uh, we have taken chances. And that's got to come down to confidence, um, to uh, the players' belief, just them being more clinical, concentrated, all of those things. That are, it's such fine margins as to why you hit the bar from ten yards, and then you net a diving header on the run. There's such fine margins because the skill sets should be should be the other way, obviously, in terms of finishing. Yeah, uh, and we we are executing at the moment, and ultimately that that that's what matters in this game. Um, you know, we've scored eight goals in uh, in two games. We've actually, I think, you kind of have to set as as Ben mentioned, the Blackpool result was ludicrous. Um, we should have won that three four one. We didn't. Um, if you set that one aside, we we've actually. Had quite a high goal-scoring run. I would be more concerned about the defence. We're scoring goals, Um, and we're even scoring goals against very good teams. You know, Blackburn were on a fantastic run. Being very interesting to see how we get on at Middlesbrough.
3: It will be, and it's another televised game, isn't it, against Borough? Yes, it's yeah so so before uh, we say we're closing up and then I think of something else but it's it's been a long time since we've actually played well on television Uh, obviously against versus Blackburn we don't normally do that do we that's normally the one game you can guarantee we're going to be playing poorly The, the last
2: time I remember playing well on television was the last Friday night um game against West Brom last season, which was definitely oh, yes. the last time we played well last season.
3: Yeah, I forgot all about that. There you go. That's how, that's how often it is. Um, it is. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's going to be interesting to see um, how things pan out. But I think we're, all, we're on the right path. It'd be, it'd be amazing if we can go and get a hat-trick of wins, and I don't think anyone... Um, is kind of expecting it, but if we can do that and then your, you know, your victims are Sunderland, you know, Blackburn and Middlesbrough, then wow, uh, we've got a lot to look forward to next season, hopefully. So, both of you thanks very much for joining me uh, I'm sure Dan will be back if not then we'll kick him out and you two can join as regular guests um, <laughs> we'll be back as always next week to uh, obviously look after the uh, Norwich game and then you've got a special podcast like I mentioned at the beginning uh, Simon and Eric Skeels that one will be out on Monday the 20th I think it is so um, please make sure you listen to that one it is a really good podcast so both of you thank you very much again um, and uh, let's look forward to who knows maybe three more points against Middlesbrough
0: away Daisy are- Great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app at Participating Restaurants 18 Plus Serving Times Delivery Fee and Terms Apply. See McDonald's.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?